0: Welcome to another episode of Behind the Headlines. On this episode, there might have been a college football game this past weekend that you might have had a lot of interest in, and it might have been the most watched college football game of the year. And so we might have called Aaron McMahon to talk about said game. Let's find out next. On this episode, Aaron McMahon stops by to talk about all things Michigan and Ohio State from this past weekend. And my co-host, as always, fresh off a turkey induced nap of some sort the one and only John Heiner how are you my friend Thank you Eric for that great introduction I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving and uh, behind the headlines had taken a week off to be with family and eat turkey and uh, when you take a week off around here in the news business you miss a lot and uh, had a <laughs> it was quite a weekend and uh, and I'm not just talking about you know, Aunt Bessie spilling the gravy all over the table. Um, if you're following the news at all, uh, and I know you are because I can see the numbers here at M-Live, but uh, everybody is excited about what's happening in Ann Arbor with the Michigan Wolverines, and uh, you know their, their run to the national championship is what it's looking like. Not, not a national championship, Eric, I'm not promising. I'm just saying um, uh, they've got themselves in a position that they haven't been in quite a while. So... I thought it would be a great time, uh, because there's so much fan enthusiasm about this, to talk to our lead, Michigan Wolverines football writer, Aaron McMahon. Uh, Aaron, welcome back to Behind the Headlines. It's good to have you.
1: John, it's good to be back. A lot of, a lot of football to discuss.
0: You know, it, it's never not interesting around the Wolverines football program. <laughs> uh, earlier this fall, we had on uh, reporter Gus Burns, and we talked about a story that he covered that took him 10 years of his life to cover. But let's be honest for you. There's been like an eight-year story arc here with Michigan football that uh, coincided with the arrival of, of, of one of the highest-profile coaches in, in all of football, not just college, in SGM Harbaugh. And so uh, we're going to have to dive into this today and talk about it a lot. But just high level, what has this been like for you um, cuz you've seen the highs and the lows and, and this is this is pretty high for Harbaugh and the Wolverines. Yeah, it has been fascinating. I mean, Jim came in with so much
1: fanfare and hype and I think the assumption was that he was going to get Michigan to the national championship right away and he got close uh but wasn't able to get there and then things took a dip as we as we all know the last couple of years and then he decided to change staff and and do some things differently and the last two years have been I think what Michigan fans expected earlier, um, but nonetheless, they, they finally got here.
0: Yeah, I was reading a lot after the victory, and let's just get that out of the way. If you have just come out of a, a an tryptophan coma, uh, the Wolverines beat Ohio State in Columbus. Ohio State was ranked ahead of them in the top five. And uh, Michigan was a big underdog in the game uh, because both teams had kind of, you know, Their schedules this year left some room to interpretation. uh, The competition they played. So you couldn't do a head-to-head and look at them and be conclusive but on the field it was very conclusive on the field. Uh, Big victory for Michigan and and now they're number two in the AP poll and probably will be in the the playoff rankings tonight. But what struck me, I was reading after the game, one of the national media said use the word brilliant to describe the job that, that Harbaugh has done and and I'm like, man, two years ago, that wasn't the case. Where were we Where were we two years ago with this, Aaron? And and, and how remarkable is, is this change?
1: Two years ago, yeah, we were nearing, I'd say, the end of the road. I mean, Jim Harbaugh was under pressure. He knew it. Uh, his contract was close to expiring, uh, and a, deci- a decision had to be made. Michigan's athletic director, Warren Manuel, had to... Um, you know, go one of two ways. He could have separated from Jim Harbaugh and went and found someone else to lead the football program, or stuck with him. He chose to do that, but there were caveats there. I mean, changes need to be made. He, he, Jim Harbaugh switched up his coaching staff. He kind of changed philosophies. Uh, the offense took a, 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 a direction more to, veered more toward what Jim had been successful doing in the past. Um, so yeah, things changed. Uh, for the better it turned out to be, and uh, here we are. I mean, we're, we're, we're knocking on the door. Michigan potentially winning back-to-back Big Ten championships and, and getting their clown
0: Some of those question marks remained last year after Michigan State and Mel Tucker beat Michigan for the second straight year. And everybody knows that's kind of midway through the, the schedule. Um, And so the heat at that time seemed to be turned up on Harbaugh going into the Ohio State game, and Ohio State had been so dominant for so long that it was sort of that do-or-die feeling going into that Ohio State game. Michigan won it. But now, if you, with a little bit of the benefit of time and perspective, you say, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Michigan's won 17 of their last 18 games since that Michigan State loss. And the only loss on their resume is to Georgia, which... In the you know semifinal game last year, and Georgia put 15 players in the NFL. <laughs> so, um, it is it it's passing the eye test to me. Tell you tell me, being around the program, uh, both with the talent on the field, but also the whole structure of the football program, have they taken it to that elite level.
1: Yeah, and Jim Harbaugh I think smartly has realized that he wasn't going to out Ohio State. And what I mean by that is, is out, you know, I'll do them in the passing game and bring in five-star elite players. They've kind of elected to go a different direction. They've beefed up the offensive line. They've kind of, um, they've developed their running game um, around the run. You know, they've developed their offense around the running game. Uh, Blake Corum has been a big part of that, um, and they've chose to beat Ohio State on the ground, and and you, and you and they end up doing that on Saturday in the second half. Um, but it's been a very different looking program from from what the Buckeyes have done. Um, uh, and, and Jamar, I figured if you can't beat them one way, you got to do it another way. So, um, he's shifted, uh, approach. Uh, he's, he's, he's changed the way they've done things. Uh, and it's proved to be successful at least at the big 10 level. Now the question remains, yes. Can they do it at the national level? Can they beat Georgia? Can they beat the big dogs? Um, and that remains, that remains to be seen. I, I don't know. You saw the, the talent came up and the physical physicality difference last year in the orange bowl. Um, I suspect Michigan could be in a potential rematch with them again this year. I I don't know how they're going to fare, but Jim has figured out at least how to win the Big Ten championship and at least
0: how to get to the get to the dance. When you, from your perspective, again, you've been covering him since he came uh, to the program. Uh, What has changed? Because he was, I don't know, he, he was sort of a celebrity coach. He was in the headlines every day. He was doing some outrageous things. Uh, he was standing on top of, you know, podiums on uh, Main Street downtown at, at midnight. I mean, the legendary stories about him climbing a recruit's tree, stuff like that. Um, he seems now to just say, hey, it's about the kids. It's about the 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 it's about the process and the coaches. And he seems to have stepped back a little bit from that, making it about him. Um, has he, from your perspective, um, had a change of Personality, heart. Uh, Obviously, so he kind of put the ego aside and just become all business. I mean, was it it's humbling for him to get near <laughs> nearly fired? Yeah, I would say so. I think
1: all those situations you mentioned were early on in his tenure, where I, I think the momentum and was, was still there. Jim Harbaugh was new; he was um, you know new to Michigan. He was recruiting at a very high clip, and I think part of that was to try and um, you know get attention uh, on him in the in the program. And and for a while, it worked. They were bringing in top level talent. Um, they had they had some good teams there early on, um, but things started to fade. I mean, they they had an eight win t- eight eight win season. Then they then, you know, they were picked to win the Big Ten in twenty nineteen, couldn't do it. Um, and, and as and as I said, they were trying to out, out Ohio State, and they just they realized that wasn't the way to go. So I think he kind of way hunkered down, buckered down, and realized, hey, I need to get out of the spot a little bit more and focus more on football as opposed to all the other things going on. Uh, and yeah, I think the the after the twenty twenty season, they they win two games. Uh, It was really just a a bad year all around. Um, It was, I I, I think, a a turning point for him. I think he realized that time was about up at Michigan. As I mentioned, the contract was just about to expire. Um, Michigan was clearly not, um, you know, in a hurry to re-sign him. Uh, And and that was kind of the, 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 I think, the the turning point here. He may not admit it, um, but just afterwards, everything that he did, you know, cleaning house with his coaching staff, changing philosophy on offense. um, it It was a it was the first shift to what we have now and it's turned out to be the right one. I mean, Jim's a very good coach. He won a lot of football games at the NFL and the college level. He knows what it takes. Um, and I think it took him some time, but he, he eventually figured it out.
0: You mentioned the NFL. So given what you, everything you just said, what was the dalliance with the Vikings about? Was that maybe that he was just saying, you know, before they can me, I I'll look for, <laughs> I'll go back to where I feel more, a little more comfortable. Was it a tactic? Uh, I mean, he didn't get a new contract, did he? Um, I, he, he he got his pay cut, uh, but I don't think that Michigan responded by throwing more money at him. Um, what was, uh, in your view, that about?
1: Well, he, he was asked, and he said flat out he wanted to. You know, he he'd won the, this. Remember, this was coming off a Big Ten championship and them getting the playoff. I I think there was a feeling that he had accomplished. What he set out to at Michigan. He came here to win a Big Ten championship and obviously got them in the national title picture. But he said this flat out, you know, that the, the Super Bowl is the one thing that he has always wanted. He he got close when he was in San Francisco, uh lost eventually to his brother. But um that seemed to allure you know lure him. Uh he wanted to do that. That was something that appealed to him, uh, and he wanted to try. I, I think if you're a football coach um, the highest level is all in, in sports coach in general, the highest level is where you want to be. It's where you want I, 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 And there's no shot at college or anything else, but it's, it's a, it's a different beast. And I, I think Jim Marble, I've been through the grind and the aware of what the year to year recruiting. And that's the thing too. I mean, it's just a different animal coaching at the college and the professional out there, whether it's football or basketball The recruiting cycle, never stops. You got to essentially became, become a, a personnel manager, of your players, um, pro letter, pull level is a little different. He gets some time off. Uh, it's very structured. Uh, it's it's just a different thing. And I think Jim Jim felt like he wanted to try that again. Obviously, the Vikings didn't reciprocate the interest. Didn't offer them job in the job. Um, but it's he's been made he's made it clear that the NFL is still a uh, still a goal of his. So I, I I wouldn't rule that out in the future. Um, but right now, I mean, he's going
0: to get Michigan, so there there shouldn't be much complaining going on. I don't think so on e- on either side. And Ward Manuel's probably pretty happy right now too. Plus. Yeah, uh, you wrote this week that he's a bunch of har- a bunch of incentives are kicking in right now for for Harbaugh. When they cut his pay, they put up uh, they backloaded a bunch of stuff and said, "You win the Big Ten, uh, you know, championship, you make it to the semifinal, you win the national championship, get a million, stuff like that." So he, he's got that ahead of him. I I had a feeling this was just me, and I may have mentioned this to you in the past, Aaron. When he came here, that he revered you know, Bo Uh, He went to Pioneer. He was a football brat. His dad was a coach at U of M. I think he had some reverence for his experience here in the university, in the football program, and the mystique, and not even the whole Michigan man stuff, but it was more about what Michigan stood for, you know? And I had this sense, and I could be wrong, because you may be right, you may go to the NFL, but he saw this as like he wanted to be emulate Bo. He wanted to be the next Bo. And statue or not, that he wanted the longevity he wanted to represent the football program and he loves Ann Arbor he loves the school uh, I don't know that's just my I don't even I don't know that's not a question it's just a feeling I have no and there's a case to be made in a way
1: he's kind of living on his childhood right he's he grew up here he played here like you said he was a star here um, everything he knows is Ann Arbor he's got his parents live across the street or down the street from him uh, so everything is here so I, I think he's comfortable this is where I think where he wants to be I, I think Um, you know, he, he took, he took this job for a reason, you know, he went. it, it, it takes a lot to go from the, be successful in the NFL to to the college level and and drop down. Um, and he's, and he's done that. Um, you know, I I don't think it precludes, you know, going forward, a potential NFL job. I I think that's certainly still going to dangle out there. And I think he's always going to wonder what if, um, but I, I, at the same token, I think it would take the right opportunity and right spot for him to go. I don't think he's going to, he would jump at any NFL job. Um, but it would have to be the right one. But no, I mean, he's, you know, he, as I said, he set out here to, to, to bring Michigan back to championship level football. He's done that now, you know, two years in a row. And you start to wonder at some point if he's going to get bored. Cause remember before he got here, the, 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 knock against Jim is he didn't, he never spent more than four years in any one place. He was mm-hmm. always hopping around. He was always moving around. Um, now he's done that. I mean, he's in year eight. Um, he's, he's accomplished what he set out to. So it, it, it makes you wonder um if if he feels like he still has a little bit left in him to to make the jump to the nfl level again
0: yeah you never know what happens when somebody wins a pinnacle a championship somewhere whether it's the super bowl or you feel like you got there the national championship you see it a lot in in um college coaching right now is the revolving door these guys going for the big money when they get the chance you know and you you can look at like luke fickle or Deion sanders they they see, the la- they see the money that's out there and they know they got to go somewhere and do their time and all this. But you win a national championship in Michigan, it would seem like you've accomplished what you set out. You really accomplished what you set out to do. So um, that that would be interesting to watch. I uh, hope we get the opportunity to see that this year, And <laughs> they make it that far. But by any measure, you'd have to say he really turned this around because uh, two years ago, you and your colleagues wrote a really deep package of stories about you know, was a pig and a poke. He's we five years in. He's paid like Urban or he's paid like uh, Nick Saban, and you know, not getting anywhere near the results. I mean, at that point, Lloyd Carr was still uh, looking pretty good, but he's he's clearly turned it around. So let me ask yeah. you, this. Um, the the players and uh, the difference that you may see because we had a lot of question marks too, losing Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo and other players at the end of the season. That great run last, at the end of last year. But what's it been like in the locker room and with this year's squad, which is clearly has some different people who've stepping up like Mike Sanistrel. you know, you saw him at Ohio state like exhorting his teammates and he's gonna really step up as a leader. Um, obviously JJ McCarthy, It uh, seems like there's a new identity that they've, they've forged with the players who are leading the way this year.
1: Yeah, you're right. And I think it was a build off of last year that they, they were successful. And I think they realized that was kind of the winning recipe Um, you know, yeah, the questions coming in this year was how they were going to replace, you know, Hutchinson job, Well, could they replace them? And, you know, to the coaching staff staff's credit in the off season, they flat out said, we can't, we're not going to. So we have to go about this a different way. So they've, they've done a very good job of changing. I think that in a way that their philosophy on defense, yes, it's a very similar system to what they ran last year. But they've been unafraid of of u- utilizing different guys. I mean, the rotating guys up front, the edge position. You mentioned Mike San he moved from. They convinced him to move from receiver to defensive back, uh, which is is tough to do nowadays in football with the transfer portal becoming such a big thing. If a kid isn't happy with where he's at or his playing time, they just tend to you know up and leave. Whereas San still you know, agreed to move. Um, he, he now look he played defensive back before in high school, but not at the college level. Um, but he agreed to move, and he's it's turned out to be successful. He's been, you know, pretty much in every down, da- every uh, every game starter. He was a, he had a big impact Saturday in the game, and that goes back to I think the culture that Jim's really built the last couple of years. I know it's cliche, but these players have really bought in, um, and I think that was the missing ingredient for several years under Jim Harbaugh. They had a lot of talent, um, some superstar at- level players, some high level recruits but you almost got the feeling that they're very individualized. They weren't in for the team. They weren't there for, to win championships. They're there to kind of play and get out and get to the NFL that you don't get that sense. these in that last couple of years. Now, obviously winning helps all winning cures all of that. Um, But they, they've certainly, there's certainly a different vibe and a different feeling around Beckler hall the last couple of years. Um, Just, it's a team first mentality I think, and I think that's really borne on the defensive side of the ball. There are no superstars. None of these guys are going to be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft this year, yet they are statistically one of the best units in the country.
0: Right. Um, also, a knock that followed Harbaugh around, well, it had been a, a positive, was that he was quarterback coach. And his first five, six years here, he just didn't put a quarterback on the field that could compete with Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and, and any of those top tier guys who you see take games over you know and 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 make that kind of difference obviously J.J. McCarthy's not in the Heisman conversation but it seems like he addressed Harbaugh addressed that this year in in a way that even though it was a little balky at the beginning of the year how he did it I think he had a plan and it's played out the way that he wanted it to.
1: It is, yeah. And the thing is with JJ they, is they've slowly brought him along. Like he he didn't just ride the bench last year as true freshman. They they designed certain packages and, and brought him in almost in every game at some point to kind of get his feet wet, um, and that kind of set the stage for this year. It was a very interesting early season quarterback competition. J or Cade McNamara was the incumbent, started the year, but eventually lost a job in week two to McCarthy, which I thought was a fascinating kind of turn of events. I mean, you had this quarterback who helped lead the offense to a big 10 championship in the playoff. And they kind of just dump him for the, the new guy. Um, and, and for a while this season, this offense looked very similar to what we saw last year. I, I joked last week before the Ohio state game that JJ McCarthy had essentially become Cade McNamara 2.0, just with a little bit more mobility and legs. Um, and, and I think that's really the difference, you know, what, we, what we've seen so far in McCarthy, he can stretch the field and move the football and kind of pick up those extra yards when needed. You saw it against the Buckeyes on Saturday, and it ended up being the difference. Um, the, now, the only missing ingredient at this point at this point is kind of letting him letting it air out. Um, they did a little bit on Saturday, but that was really the first time we've seen it all year. And I have to wonder, and I'm really curious, to see what the the offensive philosophy is going to be last year, because as we mentioned, Jim has kind of built this identity as this smash mouth ground attack, which I think is what he likes to do. Um, but it's hard to do that in, in in kind of you know sideline the guy with the the five star recruit with the strong arm. That can yeah.
0: essentially make all the plays, you know? I may be wrong about this, but as watching Michigan football, it seems like Harbaugh keeps some of the playbook tucked away when he's playing Maryland or, you know, even Illinois or something. Uh, saves it up for Ohio State or the big games. Because last year, if I'm, I think it was the Ohio State game where I think it was Eric Hall caught a long touchdown pass. And this is like they turned that guy loose on a play that I hadn't seen all year. And, and there were some different both risks that he took against Ohio State, but um, different – you just didn't see J.J. McCarthy competing series of long passes down the field all year. Now, he missed open guys here and there, but it looked like he, they pulled some stuff out and he does it when he needs it sort of thing. I think he's a good manager of his playbook. Yeah, I you could, nailed it. I could no, be
1: Now, as the season went on, even goes back to last year, it was a slow build. It was, I can remember last year, midway through last year, the fans complaining because, God, all they're doing is running the ball. They're not throwing it. And then as it went on, you saw the the pass game kind of slowly open up until the point where they needed it. And it was a similar situation this year. I mean, they leaned on Blake Horne week after week. I mean, he had eight straight games of 100 yards rushing. There were games where he had 30 to 35 carries. They were just putting it on him. Uh, and and that the feeling is obviously that he has the talent, and the ability to do it, but they didn't have to throw the ball. No opponent was stopping them on the ground. So why, ha- why throw it? when You don't have to. Um, and it, it was an interesting philosophy. Some of us questioned it because, you know, the, the question then became if Well, if you haven't had to throw the ball, what's going to happen when you do have to. Uh, and you saw that kind of play out Saturday, I think to everyone's surprise, Michigan had to throw the ball because Blake corn was unhealthy. Couldn't barely, barely play. And you saw Donovan Edwards with the, the cast on his right hand. So, um, you know, they they kind of, and in, in, Jim said it after the game. They kind of, um, you know, unloaded the playbook. Everything that they had, they had to use. Um, part of that, yeah, is is obviously, um, you know, uh, trying to one up the team. You don't want to put that stuff on film earlier in the season, so that teams can scout and prepare for that. And it it, it played out Saturday on Ohio State was unprepared. Uh, they were they were loading the box and expecting Michigan to run the ball, uh, and then Michigan was able to beat them over the top.
0: Yeah, I, you were there, so I just want to ask if what I thought I saw on TV was palpable at the stadium, the horseshoe. But it looked like after Edwards' first long run, uh, the air just kind of came out of the players for Ohio State. And that, and then the, the, the kind of panicked interception that uh, uh, Stroud threw when he was running forward and he was trying to dump the ball, he flicked it forward and got picked off. I thought after that it, it just looked like a, a, a turkey shoot. Then I mean, it looked like the players for Ohio State just and you got all these five stars, but they didn't have the will to 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 fight. I, it was weird, but it if it wasn't. Does that how it felt the stadium?
1: Absolutely, the energy seemed like it, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. The energy it just seemed like it had drained from Ohio State. I mean, it was a sellout. It was a loud, raucous atmosphere for the first half. I mean, it was it. it you don't find many stadiums like that in the Big Ten, maybe Penn State, but they show up for Michigan. They're loud. And, yeah, Michigan took it out, out of them in the fourth quarter. In fact, after the game, the players said as much. I remember a couple of the players in the post-game press conference said they they looked to the Ohio State sideline after that first touchdown in the fourth quarter, and they could tell just the, the look on the Ohio State players' face. They were looking down. They weren't confident. They were yelling at each other. Uh, and that's when they realized they had Ohio State on the ropes. Uh, and then you throw on, you tack on that second touchdown that run by Donovan Edwards, and it was over after that. Um, and that's kind of been Michigan's playbook all season long. And even going back to last year, you, 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 when you constantly beat on an opponent and you until the point where you mentally drain them uh, and you kind of see their will give up, their will go away. And that's exactly what happened against the Buckeyes. Uh, Michigan was a tougher team. They're the more prepared team and they played a full four quarters. And that, that was really the difference.
0: I'll tell you, this is the interesting thing about college football. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Ryan Day has lost two games in the Big Ten in his entire tenure at Ohio State. Now they're talking about his legacy. They're talking about a hot seat. They're talking about – is this crazy or is this just the uh, crazy the norm now?
1: its I think it's the expectation they have set at Ohio State, and, and Ryan Day mentioned it before the season even started. You know, If they go 11-1 and one and don't play for a Big Ten championship – there in Columbus, that's a failure, um, and I think it maybe shows that the love, the, the drastic difference, and maybe expectations in programs. Now, you know, when you're Ohio State and you're winning Big Ten championship after Big Ten championship, and getting the playoff year after year, it almost becomes like routine for them. It's almost like an Alabama situation. So anything less is is a disappointment. I mean, I can remember Ohio State getting the Rose Bowl last year, and they had several key players not like sit out, not play, um, and you could tell they weren't taking it seriously. And I think that's the situation college football finds itself in when the big the blue bloods the big programs that win year after year aren't there every year it's it's looked at as disappointment um and in a michigan side you know after going several years without even sniffing you know the big 10 championship or or getting the playoff um this it just seems like it means a little bit more so i, I think just it's just the reality of where the two programs are at this point um ohio state's been there for a while they're used to getting there and when, and when they don't win or don't beat a, a, a michigan uh it, it means a lot
0: well, I'm an old guy, so I remember like 70s, you know, Rick Leach running around and stuff. But you could be like seven and three, win the Big Ten, go to the Rose Bowl. and That was like the pinnacle, right? I mean, it didn't matter how many losses you had, you, winning the Big Ten was a big deal. And one thing, frankly, that I missed, I just had this weird feeling that on Saturday I wanted to see the players walking around with roses in their mouth. <laughs> You're old enough to remember that, but. Winning, you know, winning the Big Ten, getting that rose on the field, and it, it was kind of a cool image. I know, I know they don't do that anymore, uh, but uh, that's not the most important. Uh, the Rose Bowl now is like a, yeah, it's an afterthought, it's a disappointment, as you said.
1: Right, uh, ironically, yeah, it'll probably be Ohio State that gets into the Rose Bowl this year because it's not part of the playoffs. So it's yeah, it's a weird situation because some years the, the Rose Bowl is part of the playoffs, some years it's not, and this year it's not. So. You know, Michigan will likely end up in the in a playoff semifinal, and that's in Atlanta or, or Phoenix. And then the uh you know the next best team in the Big Ten gets the Rose Bowl and that'll probably be Ohio State.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, let's take a couple minutes before we wrap and look at the Big Ten championship uh, against Purdue, which boy, the Big Ten West is <laughs> it was a flip a coin on the last day, right? I mean Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, whatever. Um, but uh, obviously football every any given Saturday, you gotta go out and play it. What's your What's your look ahead for this game? What's Michigan got to watch out for, and what's likely to happen?
1: Yeah, I mean Purdue, as you mentioned, comes from a very up in the air West. It could have been any one of like three or four teams. I mean, Iowa could have been there again. Illinois it could have been a rematch with Illinois. Uh, Purdue ended up winning. Uh, they're eight and four team. Um, they're a little bit more explosive offensively than some of the uh, the teams Michigan's played in previous weeks. Um, I think they'll give them a fight. I, I mean, I think last I looked the the betting line was think like seventeen points. That might be a tad high. Um, but Michigan, again, remember Michigan's been on the stage before. They they were coming off the high last year, beating Ohio State for the first time in a, almost a decade. And they again, they had a quick turnaround for the Big Ten Championship the week later. So um, I, I think Michigan health is obviously going to be a concern. I, I think you'll probably see some guys, again, limited or not play. Um, but I, I think Michigan has probably the better talent, the better scheme to to get by a Purdue. So I, I think you're looking at another Big Ten Championship for the Wolverines. Uh, might be a you know a relatively close game for the first half but Purdue I don't think has the horses to, to keep up with with this Michigan team
0: yeah, I remember having a little anxiety uh, going into the Iowa game last year um and uh they just killed Iowa I mean they ran them off the field uh so last question then I want to ask you because I see it's be kind of interesting to see Michigan on a field against TCU or again, USC, because I'm old school. It'd be kind of cool to see a, a game that matters against USC, you know, and Charles White scores at the last minute and you, we get a bad call at the goal line. I remember that one from the 70s, too. But anyways, I, I digress. Uh, but knowing what we know, and what we saw when they played Georgia last year, how is this team different and, and how do you think they, they're going to compete in the biggest stage?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. The one I'm getting a lot this week. I, I think it's something where Michigan last year, they weren't familiar with the moment. They had never been there before. It was the biggest stage they played on, played on in, in the Jim Harbaugh era. And you had a lot of young guys playing. So um, part of me thinks that they will handle it better. Now, whether they, have, they can match, you know, whether it's, you know, especially Georgia's physicality, I guess I'm speaking Georgia here. I, I don't know. I, I think Georgia remains by and far the number one team in the country. Um, but again, I I can't, when I think last year's orange bowl, I can't get the the image out of my head. The post game, JJ McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, Andrew L. Anthony are all standing on the field, watching Georgia celebrate. And I I think that moment, taking it all in realizing what it took to get to that level, I think is going to help them this year. Um, I, I, and I do think being paired up with a potentially TCU in the semifinal would be, would go a long way. I I think Michigan match up very well with, with Texas Christian. I think that would certainly set them up for a potential trip to the national championship. Um, when it comes to Georgia, I mean, right now it's, it's hard for me to pick anyone to beat Georgia. I mean, they're, they're such a loaded team. They're big physical. They're very, very similar to Michigan. And yet they have the, you know, the, the, the experience of being there and winning on that stage. And I think right, when, when it comes to that moment and that situation, I think you give, give the edge to the experience that being said, I mean, Michigan surprises, it seems like year after year, the last couple of years, they surprised, they certainly surprised me on Saturday. I didn't think they stood a chance when Blake Korn was was deemed out um, yet. So you never say never. It is college football; you got to play the game. Um, but right now, I would certainly give the edge to Georgia.
0: All right, hey Aaron, you're doing a great job. Let me ask this last question: Is there any different cover season like this than the cover of that eight that eight and four season?
1: Yeah, just because the 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 hype and like the, the fan interest is there. You know, it, it's one thing when you cover an eight and four team. I mean, the regular diehards pay attention and they're, they're interacting and reading and everything else. But, um, when, when it gets to this point that the audience level just gets the, in the interest level gets just so magnified. I mean, you've got folks that haven't paid attention to this Michigan program for most of the year, finally tuning in and reading and and kind of digesting everything that's going on. So yes, I mean, it, it, it's certainly more interesting. And I think I like to say we're in the interesting business. Um, and, and, and when things are going good, things are more interesting. Players are more likely to open up and you know, be, give better you know, responses, interviews. Jim Harbaugh seems like he's in a better mood. Uh, so I think it's a win-win for probably everybody.
0: Well, you might be right in another story about Jim Harbaugh's future, but it might be coming from a different perspective this year. We'll see how it plays out. Aaron McMahon, thanks for joining Behind the Headlines. Good luck this weekend and with your colleagues, uh, uh, Andrew Kahn and Ryan Zook down in Indianapolis. Good luck for the rest of the season and great job so far. Appreciate you joining me today. Yeah, thanks. And there they go. Big thanks to Aaron for stopping by the podcast. As always, if you like what John and I are doing like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Till next week, he is John Heiner. I am Eric Hulkgren, and this is Behind the Headlines.